Welcome back to NFT Talk Podcast. And today I have two great guests uh, talking about a subject that I'm passionate about. Um, and it's also with involving NFTs. Um, they are representatives and founders from Rough Diamonds. I think you're one of two founders and it's a pleasure to have you guys here. How are you doing? Doing good, Sean. Thank you for the invite. Happy to talk with my partner, Andre, about uh, what we're building here with Rough Diamonds in Brazil. And of course, looking forward to, to expanding it throughout the world. Yeah, thanks um, for I'll go on to jump in, jump in, Andre. You got a no, I was just gonna say thanks for the invite. We were really excited to be to be chatting with someone that is like deep in the space, is producing content. I think the industry need a lot more people like you, Sean. Uh, it's all about educating at the end of the day and bringing awareness to the space. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred agree. And uh, and it's also bringing it ways, different ways, rather than just looking at art of way we can use this technology. And this is something that I've been passionate about, thinking about for a long time is how is it going to look within the sporting industry and obviously with your guys project Rough Diamond uh, it's cultivating and helping uh, up-and-coming football players but it's also involving the fans because when 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 I think of football and it comes to fandom like there's no other fans like football fans as far as I'm concerned and Web3 is a great way to conversate and offer value on both ends one for the, the 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 career, the career of the footballer and also the fans supporting it. And you guys have obviously come up with a project in a great way of doing that. Uh, so I look forward to you guys jumping into that and explaining how that all works. Uh, but before we actually go in to the ins and outs of how the project works, I always like to understand the background, obviously, where you guys um, have, have come from and how did you find your way into Web3? Uh, because the, inter- the story is always interesting. It's cool. I'll start here, and then Andre can. Actually, Andre and I we met in college. Okay. Uh, we were playing. We were playing soccer in uh, in California for a collegiate program, and Andre was a goalkeeper. I was a forward, so we we've always been involved in the, in soccer, in football. So it's always been something part of our lives. Uh, we, we actually went different paths in our career. Andre became a, an executive director. Uh, went to corporate world, and I decided to be an entrepreneur. I uh, went back to Brazil after graduating college in the U.S. and then started sending kids and doing the same process that I had just done, that Andrea was just doing as well. So helping kids finding scholarships in, in, uh, in the U.S. From, from Brazil mainly. And then we opened a few units in Portugal, expanded the company there. But I really wanted to deep dive into the, into the tech world. I mean, I looked at my phone and most of the apps on my phone were like, 11, 12 years old, and I was like, I'm missing something here, and I really want to deep dive into the space. Had an opportunity to work with La Liga. We built some very cool application uh, to identify talent in Brazil, and uh, that was during the pandemic, so we had to pivot the model and find new ways to to connect the business that we built, the, the relationship with the players, with the agents, with the clubs, and that's when the moment that I get to Andre, and I was like, hey, you are working in Web3, in NFTs, um, where are the opportunities here? Tell me more about the market. And that's where I fell in love with everything. I started studying a lot uh, more uh, about the subject, about Web3, about blockchain, about NFTs, seeing the, all the, everything that was coming up uh, with the so rare uh, cars and big fan of the, of the collectibles industry. And, and then we started working together and building the rough diamonds. I'll let Andre uh, introduce himself as well. Yeah, absolutely. My my interest in crypto and NFTs and Web3 as a whole, I would say started a few years ago around 
2019, I would say I'm not that guy that's been in Bitcoin for like several years and been in crypto. I'm not that guy. I was in emerging technology before a boutique agency in New York City. And I was working on a lot of voice projects, Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant. And I was really deep into the space working with companies like Warren Music Group, um, HBO and other media and entertainment companies. And the big thing for that space and was a very tight community was around adoption, use cases and other companies jumping into it. And I waited for a few years. I, I, I wanted to see how the market played out. And unfortunately I noticed that it wasn't going the way that I actually predicted and expected. And I made the move to go to a larger production creative services company called Media Monks, uh, which does a lot of different future facing um, projects in terms of innovation, production, metaverse builds, immersive technologies, AR, VR, you name it, the company can build it. And I was lucky enough that I was the guy that the agency that raised his hand early last year saying, this NFT thing sounds pretty promising, right? Like I, I expected a voice to go that route in terms of adoption. And I'm seeing that happening with crypto and NFTs and I'm not gonna miss the boat this time. So I was really deep into the space from January to May. That's pretty much all my, where I spent all my free time. Uh, we end up working with several like large companies, startups, NFT studios, helping them from 3D production to actual NFT end-to-end -end solutions. And when Bruno came talk to me around Christmas of last year, it was a no-brainer. I already had my mindset into taking the next step of my career and going like 100% into Web3 and NFTs. And that's how we got together. And uh, Theta Labs was created and Rough Diamonds is the first property IP that we're launching in the market. Okay, amazing, amazing. So... Just to, um, I want to, I just want to ask you a question, Andre. Is, but coming from a, a Web two background, um, and obviously, how long did it take, or did it, would it happen straight away for the penny to drop for you to understand? Because I, I, I speak to a lot of people Web Web two, and they're, they're struggling to understand what's happening here, and how do they translate their business, their current business, to Web three? So, how, how did it work for you? I was actually. Uh... For me, it was not even Web 2. Like, I've been a gamer since I was a kid. Like, in 03, 02, I was already playing, uh, you know, RPG, like, multiplayer games. And it was easy, the concept of internet money for me. Like, I've been doing this since I'm, like, 10, 11, 12, 13. So it was a natural transition. I was like, I've seen this before. That was not Web 2. That was, like, Web 1, actually, when all these technologies were being created. I remember playing... Uh, with dial-in internet and whenever that went down it was a nightmare I was like I really care about this game and my assets and my items here and ever like I would die it was this game called Tibia which was pretty big in Brazil and Europe not so much in America uh, but was a massive game and and that was really important in my life so like the concept of virtual goods and digital assets were pretty easy to understand coming from that background um, from a business perspective it was just more okay, this is, there are a lot of things that happen in Web2. They're not the most optimal way, when, especially around creators, I would say, and the way that monetization happens in these platforms. So whenever I saw a new alternative, it made a lot of sense as well. Yeah, I agree. And the fact that you just mentioned about the, the digital assets and playing games, I was a gamer. Um, I played pretty much PC games and also played like games on PlayStation. And I think the early stages of me realizing how much value, like how much I cared about these assets is when you got the memory cards. And if you guys remember the memory cards you put on the top of the, the PlayStation with the pads. And if you ever lost your memory card, it was like, it was waste. Life was over. Many, <laughs> it was a hundred hours of your life. That you, so yeah, that is early uh, case studies of like where the value was. The value was already there and people value this, whether there was money behind it or not. It's just the time you invested 
there's there, there's definitely a demand. Um, but yeah, guys. Okay, so thanks for the intro. But let's go straight into what you guys are doing, man, because we're excited to talk about Rough Diamonds. Um, because there's a lot of things that I think you guys have that the approach you've made, um, it makes sense and it's the right approach because it still has the ethos of Web three in regards to helping people. Because it's not a case of a, a cash a cash grab. This is a big IP. It's worth a lot of money. Let's sell it. Make as much money as possible, and that's it. You guys are kind of covering helping people in real life, uh, but adding value, uh, but using the technology in a great way. Uh, so yeah, like you, if they're doing for Bruno, you want to start? I'm just kind of introducing the project and talking about what you guys are doing. Sure. Yeah. Uh, when I talked to Andrea, we were started to look at the market and we started seeing like what's going on. You know, like what are the companies? How are they entering the space? How are the players, the athletes, the agencies? How is everyone getting involved and learning about the space and what are they doing um, in meanwhile, you know? And, and we started seeing a lot of projects that, I mean, didn't make a lot of sense in our opinion. Some of, some of them did make a lot of sense and they were growing very fast. Mm-hmm. But some projects didn't make a lot of sense. They, they didn't really need to be an NFT, you know? Most of them, they, uh, the, the use case wasn't there and we're looking at that and we're like, this doesn't make any sense. So, and, and a lot of them didn't have the vision, you know, didn't have the long-term vision that we would aspire, that we wanted to build with. So we're like, okay, what do we have that is differentiated, that really can, can, can make this project different? And, uh, and we're like, okay, we're from Brazil. Andre has the experience on the NFT side. I have the sports experience. I've been a collector, a collector my entire life. I was collecting Panini cars with the with the albums and exchanging with my friends, collecting soccer jerseys. So we're like, okay, we have the perfect experience, perfect experience. We have the relationship with the agents, with the players, and we are from Brazil, as I said. So what does Brazil do best? They produce great talent. They produce the, the best player, the best footballers in the world. So we have to leverage that. We have to use that. And that for itself is, uh, is a long-term thing. We are, we're going to work with the biggest youth players, the best potential youth players in the world. And we're going to transform them into NFTs. So we're creating the community around this. We're creating an IP around the community, around the NFT, and, uh, and bringing everyone in, bringing the fans as you mentioned in the beginning, bringing the fans to own the game, to own the players, to have this direct relationship between themselves uh, and have exclusive experiences as well. So, uh, and on the other side, the players, they have a, a huge interest and a huge need to finance their careers. They don't know what's the next day going to be like. They don't know how is their next year going to be like. It could be a huge success or it couldn't. So how can we connect those dots and create an IP on top of that that allows fans, that allows people to, to enjoy it? even more uh, what we're doing. So it's a, it's a set of 101 NFTs. We onboard the players onto into Web3. Um, we not only use the license of the players, we're not only getting to the player and say, hey, we want to use your image, come here, we're going to produce your NFTs, and we are partnering with the player. He's a 50-50 partner with us, so every revenue generated into this program, into this uh, into this company, goes straight to the player's wallet. Not only that, but the, the rarest of the, all of the NFTs also is player-owned. So instead of doing the one-of-one, one, we're going to do the two-of-two, two. and one-of-two goes straight to the player's wallet, and he decides what he's going to do. He, he, he he's a, if, if he thinks he's Career is going to explode he keeps it if he thinks it's not it's at the peak at the moment sell it you know so it's uh, it's up to them and the, the token holder on the other side gets exclusive experience exclusive memorabilia and a ton of new things that we are developing for for the community so that makes us very excited and the plan to expand it to other countries and potentially to other sports as well yeah 
I, I, what I really love about this uh, Bruno and Andre is the gamification side of it. Like as a fan, as a football fan myself, like I get excited at the thought of like, okay, then because there's as a fan, and you probably guys experience it yourself as fans too, also if you play football, you've always got so much to say about how a player's doing or how a manager should put this player on, and the, you believe in this player, so it's a kind of thing. Why it is put your money where your mouth is. And what you can also support an upcoming player. So the, the early stage of this, any of you guys play like football manager? You come across that, that PC game? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and, there, and I think that your, your, pride, your most proud moments on there was finding that gem, that diamond player that nobody knew about, that you could kind of get in your team and then you'd sell him on or become the next star. And this, this is like a real version of that, uh, whereas you can kind of invest in a player uh, but it's almost a, a real investment because if you believe in that player, you follow their journey and that player becomes what you believe they're going to be, then that entity will grow in value potentially. Is that right? Would you, is that the, the kind of angle you guys are going down? That's definitely one of the, the ways that we see, you know, the asset appreciating and the whole like product creating, you know, a lot of traction is like th- we're we're really tapping into that behavior. Like I remember when I was younger, trying to become a pro like soccer player before my college time with Bruno. And it's funny, I was like talking to my wife the other day, I was like watching a, a Liverpool highlight with Allison, and I saw Allison playing when he was 15. And I could tell already he was a monster at 15 years old. And that kind of behavior of like watching like under 18, under 17, under 15 games for the national team and other uh, tournaments that we have in Brazil, but I have no way of participating. And even the information around these tournaments are very scarce. Mm -hmm. So the idea for us as um, a Rough Diamonds project is to become a sports IP, not only with NFTs, but in general focus on the long tail of athletes and youth soccer. We want to create different kinds of like merchandise and content and different projects around something that we think it's a white space in the market. If you look at the U.S., we have uh, Overtime is a very good example and, and, um, and something, someone that we look up to, they really tapped into high school basketball and they created a lot of content around that and they created a whole system of ambassadors that would record content for them. And we want to be that in the youth soccer space. We really think there's a lot of room to grow. And becoming turning that into NFT it makes you, um, you know, participate in the journey of the player in some sense of uh, shape or form. Because if you think about other projects, going back to what Bruno said before, that you know the autographs of the world or Lamella Pro, the Lamella Ball project was one that was really interested in early on. They have a peak in interest. But then they drop, they, they, they drop tremendously because the players are really busy and the upside is not there so much because, one, they're not highly involved because there's no IP around them. It's an exclusive project about the player themselves. And we are like, okay, let's try to do something different here. Let's flip the script. Let's create an IP that focuses on these players and create an object of desire of them wanting to participate in this. And that's what we're trying to do here. So definitely the performance of a young player will influence how the project goes, right? There's some sort of like a speculation of like, oh, Mateus Lima is going to be the next Vinny Jr. or Endrick is going to be the next Neymar, so far, so on. And that's the kind of community that we want to be building. Okay, so correct me if I'm wrong. Let's say that, let's, let's put it out there. Let's say somebody like uh, Messi goes and buys one of your Rough Diamond um, NFTs of, of a player. Potentially, if everyone can see that, then you know that that player could be golden value just based on Messi buying that player, right? Would you would you agree? So absolutely, I think at the end of the day, it's all about uh, you know how exposed you are to the market, and there are a lot of players in the market that go for 40, 50, 60 million pounds, and 
yeah. some go from 100 million pounds and i would say they they're not value at that you know at that price tag so the the market is pretty interesting when it comes to, to the value of players and why a collectibles value more why a player in the market is valued more so it's all demand and supply at the end of the day that's why this market this space is so fun so absolutely i think if messi thinks one of our players is going to be the next star and he has one of one of them in his collection i'm pretty sure people are going to be looking into it with more more care and more detail yeah. Not only that, not only in the NFT space, if you, if you look at any space, it's like that. If you own an apartment that is... Uh, sometimes I'm thinking the same thing, news, yeah. <laughs> you see on the news, Cristiano Ronaldo is looking to buy this apartment. Automatically, that increases the prices of every other apartment in the building. You know, if someone buys a piece of art and hangs it on the wall, uh, who, did, who bought it, you know? So uh, I really feel like, of course, having someone like Messi purchasing a, a NFT, it validates the idea that we're trying to do here and allowing the fan uh, to, to, to own the game. I think that's, the, I, I feel like that's the, the, the only way that this could actually happen because of all the restrictions that FIFA has on the TPO and the third part ownership. When you look at the market itself, uh, it, it's very restricted for the player. The player is very dependent on the gatekeepers of the market, being the, the club and the agent himself. So he, he needs new ways to actually explore uh, his financial freedom is one of them. So uh, I really see that as a, as a great opportunity for the player and for the fan that can benefit from all of that as well. Yeah. And Bruno touched on a very good point just to finalize that, that, that portion that for pretty much every single player, that was the first commercial contract they ever had. Like we're talking about players that are like 15, 16, 17 years old with a lot of potential and us becoming their first uh, partner, commercial partner. Uh, it matters a lot for us and, and the relationship that we're building with them. It's something that we're really proud as well. Like Bruno was with them in person to do a photo shoot not that long ago. And he was talking to them. He like, hey, like they, they know already about like the tokenomics about the project. And Bruno was like, what do you guys think about the two of two, the one that we're going to give it to you? And uh, and Bruno had some interest in tell. Do you want to share a little bit about that conversation, well, Bruno? I was asking them, are, are you guys going to sell it? And he's like, are, are you crazy? I'm going to hold it. I'm going to use this as my profile picture on uh, on Instagram. I want everyone else to see. And I feel like uh, the, you were talking about massive purchasing this specific NFT, but I, I feel like these great stars purchasing any kind of NFTs and being involved in crypto helps a lot. Now we have Messi uh, being sponsored by Socios. We have Cristiano Ronaldo sponsored by Binance. We have Neymar uh, with his uh, board ape on, on every social media that he has. And that makes it a lot easier for us to explain to the players, to, to onboard the families, because they, they, they actually get it. You know, They get the stickers, they get the collectibles, they get the digital part. But when Neymar comes in and adds his own picture uh, and changes it to a board date, they're like, okay, what is he trying to do? He's part of a community. He's trying to appreciate that asset in value. He has some exclusive benefits. So they, they get it from that, you know? So not only Messi buying it, but I feel like this great starts being into the space helps a lot onboarding a lot of people into, into Web3. And when you look at the brands, they are also positioning themselves into that as well. You look at, you watch Formula One, Every single sponsor on the Formula One track is crypto related. It's crypto.com, it's Binance, it's 
FTX, everyone is there because they know the power of sports. They know the power uh, that the, the, the community has in terms of educating. It's a lot easier to explain to someone an NFT from a young promising star from Brazil uh, than any other cryptocurrency in the world at this stage. So uh, I feel like the, the celebrities, they have a, a very big part on boarding new people and educating the market. And I feel like the market needs more and more education, education, education to act for us to actually be able to, to, to build something even bigger here. Okay, and 100% I agree with it. And as we're talking about onboarding, I know I've kind of come at the angle of thinking about where does the value come from as a collector? But I think we, is, the thing we need to talk about is the value of the player. Of a, I was, you, met, you kind of mentioned it earlier on is the fact that these young guys may not be in a, a financial position uh, to, to do anything. They're, they're just playing football and they're at the, the mercy of these clubs looking after them to a certain extent. So if they have a way, another way they can make money by somebody supporting them or whether they're fans or investors, um, does it, it kind of gives them an option potentially to um, not be swayed to go by their career by a financial situation rather than just going where they feel they they would perform best. Uh, is that something you guys have thought about? Yeah, definitely. When when we think about it, like we, we feel like the web two has really rough. If you look at the music industry, doing an analogy here, yeah. when, we, when we think about the music industry, we, we understand that web two has really revolutionized the music industry. And I think web three has even more potential to, to, to disrupt even more uh, what has done. When we think, let's think 10, 15, 20 years ago, how was it to record an album? How was it to record a label? Uh, and not only to record was super expensive if you are a talented young uh, aspiring uh, artist and it's super expensive to produce it. It's super expensive to market and it's super expensive to like get it out there, you know, to distribute it. And because they were all physical pieces of the, of the, uh, of the CD that people had to listen to it. So the gatekeepers of the market are like the, 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 the recording labels that are actually producing this and they, they, they pick and choose who is going to actually become the next big star. Mm -hmm. um, and when you look at Spotify, when you look at YouTube, it has clearly democratized the access for anyone that has talent to go out there, record, attract your own community, try to create it and, and actually do an impact on top of that. And, and when we look at the, the sports industry, we don't see that impact of Web2 that much on the athlete side. So we think that Web3 has the potential to actually allow these fans to look at these young players. Of course, these are initially very well-selected players, but we can have anyone future, in the future creating their own tokens and allowing them, showing them, hey, this is how I play. Why not allow certain type of fan, fans to actually believe in those guys and finance those uh, those those young kids out there too? So we really believe that the, the, the Web3 has this potential to allow the fans to pick and choose, like not only the clubs, not only the agents, but anyone, anywhere in the world to be able to say, hey, I think this kid has potential. I want to, I want to help him out, start his career, to kickstart his career. And, 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 we think that the, and we think that the project has this potential. When you think at the clubs, the clubs, they have their memberships that you pay a monthly fee to have different uh, kind of exclusive access, priority in buying tickets. Um, why not think of the same way for the players? The players, they have that as well. Uh, they have their memorabilia, they have their jerseys, they have their cleats, they have their personal experience that they can share with these fans. 
and which of course grows into interest, gro grows in interest with the growth of the player's career. So I, I feel like that's um, that's where we're going with this, and that's where we see. And in my opinion, this could be the this second biggest revenue stream that the player will have in his career. Okay, it's interesting. You, you mentioned um, obviously you, you guys are focusing just eleven players at, at this current point, uh, but you want to obviously help as many people as possible. Is this going to open up? to more players in the future or is it just solely staying at 11 because if you stay if it stays at 11 and then there's 101 nfts if i stand correct per player then there's only going to be there's less less than one that there's not less than 2000 people being able to invest in these nfts so then the the community is going to be the people the community that has these nfts are going to be very small yeah, I can take this one. Um, it's interesting, right? We had this discussion about doing something larger and we get a, this question from investors a lot, like they okay. uh, and teams and clubs as well. They're like, can we tokenize the whole like youth teams? You know, these this is the pretty uh, heavy overhead from is the biggest overhead for a lot of the clubs, right? They they train these kids since they're very young, paying for everything until they can sell them in the market and make it a profit, right? So they were like, how can we tokenize everything? And we're just not there yet. That's something that we really believe in the next several years is gonna eventually happen. I believe everything has the potential to be tokenized. Not everything should be tokenized, but everything has the potential to be tokenized. And I think you soccer is definitely one of them, the way they were describing you, believing in the potential of certain players and offsetting some of the costs of this um, uh, training of this player at the end of the day. But with Rift Diamonds itself, the idea is to be an exclusive list of the top footballers. We want this to be an objective, uh, uh, an object of desire for the players, for the agents and other stakeholders. So we're doing 11 in Brazil. We're going to do 11 each year for each market, and we're going to expand as we go. We already have plans to go to Argentina, the UK, some other countries in Asia. So we really believe that more and more we can expand, and this can be a scalable model. It's pretty much um, being the Forbes 30 under 30 for footballers. That's like how we're describing to a lot of people in the business world. And for those uh, football aficionados, is like the golden boot, right? Like who is the best player in Europe under 21? We want to be the best 11 players under 18. So this is how we're approaching the tokenomics of the project. For this first drop, we're doing, as Bruno said, 11, uh, 101 tokens for each player on a total of 1,111. Uh, we're playing a lot with the 11 number. We think it's fun, and we think the collectors are going to appreciate that as well. Um, so yeah, so that's how we're approaching pretty much how we're going to scale in terms of uh, different markets and, and different players. But there's always room for new things. We're, we're not set in stone that this is the right model. We're you know, learning with the community, experimenting with partners and seeing like what sticks and what makes sense for collectors. So we are, we're flexible, we're open, and we, we believe that this is a model that could be the one, but we're open to other ideas as well. I mean, I love the idea, but the thing is that it happens to a lot of NFT projects, especially that have a lot of hype and interest around it, is that, okay, you've got crypto inv investors, you've got whales, and then yeah. you've got fans. Okay, the, the entry, the, the price, the entry level for the, the NFT might be low, but these guys can go buy 50 NFTs and the real fans don't get anything. So this list, I'm a, a hardcore fan of one of the, the teams in the Brazil. I've been following this, this youth, this young guy from the age of seven and I've supported the team he plays for and these NFTs come out and this is amazing. I'm thinking, yeah, this is fantastic, but I don't even get a chance to get this NFT to support him because everyone's, everyone's seen it more of as an investment rather than being a true supporter. Uh, how do you manage that, or if you do? 
Yeah, I know. Absolutely. I think that's a, a crucial thing about our project that we like places like here in your podcast, Sean, we, we keep saying and we're trying to stay away from the speculators um, by just saying this is a long term project. So if you're in it for the ride, come join us. You're not going to be able to turn a quick buck flipping our NFTs. Um, and we're doing everything that we can to avoid these kind of uh, situations, especially with our drop mechanics and the way that we're accept accepting people in our early access list. We're curating the people that we think should be collectors, the people that are interested in the space. We're doing a lot of talks for different groups where me and Bruno go pretty much on a road show for the project. Like people go around trying to get, get investors. That's how we're approaching our collectors and our holders. We're being very careful with who like we're, we are attracting to the project at the end of the day. I think something that we're gonna have to deal with, the, spec, the speculators are everywhere. So it's just a part of the business. We're not uh, naive to like the the, 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 the amount of speculators in the space and a lot of the, the market dynamics around NFTs, but we're doing everything we can to stay away from, from them and truly get fans involved and people that believe in the long-term um, process that we're trying to build here. So the short answer is like, we understand that this is something uh, that exists and we're doing everything we can to bring the right crowd and the right people to our community. And there are so many of them, there are three and a half billion fans of the sport around the world. It's just a matter of educating them and, and onboarding them into crypto, you know, and since since it is by itself, by the concept of it, a long-term project, uh, we, we need to think long-term and thinking long-term means choosing very well who do we partner with, uh, who are the players, who are the agents, what are their families, uh, are they actually gonna be involved? What are, the, what are the conditions of the contract that we can actually get with them? Getting them on board, as I said, in, in, terms of, uh, in terms of revenue, in terms of generating new revenue for them as well, but actually choosing the, the, the fans, I think that choosing the collectors, I think that's a very important point that Andrea touched. And, and, and I feel like that's what makes a difference in a successful NFT project, because I think in, anyone can do something short term, put it there and then disappear but there are very few that are uh, community reliable, that the community really leaves the, what's being done there. And, and I feel like to, to add to your previous point about um, the long tail, now, that the players that are outside of the big, the big uh, scope, um, I feel like we are going in a direction that we really want the community to actually help. We don't want to be the only decision-making people in the, in the business. You know, we want people to actually take part and like help us decide what's the future of Rough Diamonds. Where are we going to go? next we're the next players we can help with the shortlist but like we don't want to do the entire process all the time you know we we really want people to get engaged and participate because they are part of it uh they they, they are they are the owners of the project you know that's the, that's how we actually see the decentralization and the um of this of this project so i think that's that's something that we're going to see more and more into our project allowing the fans to actually not only say it but actually own the game Okay, I like that. Um, I've got an idea. I'm going to preach it to you guys now. I've been thinking, based on based on what I just said, I kind of think this would potentially answer uh, the question that I was asking. Um, okay, so we we as as a football fan, even as a sports fan, we we have experiences. We see it on TV where the the guy catches the the baseball. You get the the football. You might take it home, or you might take that shirt home. So we start looking at things like um, digital fashion for example, and we, we know that we can, we can get tags, these NFC readers that can be linked to potentially an NFT. So as maybe if you put a few, uh, like maybe 10 away, 
for when a player gives his jersey away to somebody in the crowd, they can claim an NFT, uh, a Rodolman NFT based on the giving, giving that jersey. So they get the physical item, and with that physical item, they're able to scan it and get the, the digital NFT. I feel like Sean has been in, into some of our meetings, Bruno. He's part of Rough Diamonds and we don't even know. Uh, Sean, this is something that we talk often. We already have some initiatives okay. uh, around that. There are two different things that we're doing right now. I'm going to answer the last one first, actually. So one of the NFTs, uh, 11 of the NFTs, one from each player will come with um, their profession, uh, first professional jersey uh, signed. So we are gonna, you're going to be able to retrieve that like physical memorabilia, the, the actual jersey uh, from their first professional game or one of the first um, games that they play. One of our players already is in the, the pro teams for Flamengo. Um, but that's the magic of gamification. If you want the actual asset, you can retrieve it. But if you sell it in the second market and secondary market with the jersey still, of course, it has a different value. So it, it depends on the holder to retrieve the jersey and keep the, just the digital collectible. Or if he wants to just maximize his upside, he can sell it with the jersey attached. So that's one thing that we're doing that we think it's pretty cool from a memorabilia perspective. And the second one in the digital fashion, we actually um, created uh, three different kits, home, away, and a special one. Um, for Rough Diamonds, we, we want people to be part of the team. We were discussing if they should be managers, as you said, with, uh, with football manager, or if they should be scouts, like what's the kind of behavior they're, they're having with our community. And at the end of the day, people want to be a part of the team. Nobody grows up saying they want to be a coach no, or a manager, right? They want to be a player. So we created the, the, the digital jerseys for Rough Diamonds. We're going to do a thousand of them as well. It's going to be a small batch for the community and they're going to give different perks within the rough diamonds universe if you're not going to be able to just you're not going to be able just to mint the rough diamonds athletes um nfts but also you're going to be able to get these airdrops from the community so we're doing a lot of these giveaways on our discord for the early members for some other community partnerships that's something that we're huge into as well we think a lot of growth from nfts right now it's not the same as it used to be a year ago where a lot of projects were getting traction just because of the novelty of nfts uh, I think go-to-market right now is a pretty big piece when it comes to this. And airdrops is definitely part of our strategy with the fan digital jerseys. They look incredible. I'm, I'm a little biased to say that. Our artist and, and co-founder, Rafael Dunt, is an incredible artist, uh, digital and physical world. And he created some awesome jerseys. Uh, I can show you offline, Sean, so you can take a okay. peep at it. But they're, they're a little, they're a little under, uh, behind the scenes for now. But this is something that is pretty pretty big in our space. We think digital fashion, fan jerseys, things of that nature are going to be a big part of our business. They're going to serve as not only early access to the Mint, but also some other perks around the partnerships that we're creating as well. Yeah, yeah we always had this idea of creating this access pass. So uh, uh, really understanding who are the, who are the early, who, who really is early into the project, you know? So the people that come in first, they get this specific jersey. The people coming later, they get this jersey. The people that get coming later, they get the, the home jersey. And, and then the people that come in further, um, they get no jersey, but they, they, they will be like, they, they will need to allow everyone else or the priority access to then be able to, to main. So we really want to create this community and that's a very funny story because we were producing the jerseys for the shoot with the players we wanted to do uh, a specific uh, customized jersey with rough diamonds and everything for the pictures and the videos and, and in parallel we're thinking about the the, the the access pass you know how is it going to look is it going to be a ticket it's going to be 
Um, so we're really brainstorming ideas and then our artist comes up and he draws the jersey for the shoot. And then we look at the jersey and we look at each other and we're like, that's the pass, you know? That's exactly, it looks so beautiful. Like he did it in a 3D model that was turning. We're like, okay, this is exactly what we needed. And people, uh, not only did the jersey look super cool, but in, in terms of our concept that we're building, people are actually wearing the jersey. You know, they're coming in early. They're, they're, they are part of it. They're part of the family. So that was super cool what we did. And we are slowly releasing to our Discord community the very first people that are, that are logging in. Um, we are we are re releasing the diamond jersey first, which should, there are only going to be fifty of those. Right. Then there's going to be the the away jersey, which is a silver jersey. There's going to be three fifty of those, and then there's the the home jersey, which is the black jersey. Then there's going to be six hundred of those. And as Andres said, uh, they're going to have priority and they're going to have special um, perks within the within the community. If you own a rare, a plus, if you run a rare of a specific player. And then you own a diamond jersey, you multiply your chances of unlocking different experiences. So that's how we see it in uh, building a community. It's definitely on the, uh, and engaging with the community and being there, you know, and listening to everyone. It's, uh, it's top of our priority at this moment and will be for the continuation of the project. I love that, man. Like that's, 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 that's what excites me. I think that fans, fans will appreciate that uh, because it's something that you can, if, if you, if you're looking, you can be a part of it, but, what what I want to make sure if you guys can do is making sure that the player gives it to the fan because that, that like imagine if, you, if that was a standard thing every time you knew you get a jersey there's a possibility that you might get to meet that player through the access or might get experience with that player then that shirt becomes a lot more valuable than hanging up on your wall right <laughs> so um yeah. yeah so obviously you guys are hot onto that man so I'd love to see that uh, in the future with how that can work um so but let's talk about a player. An actual player because you've got 11 players so i've highlighted one player haven't been not being biased because i don't actually know uh, any any of your players so it's because i don't follow brazilian football but it's a uh, injury philippe yeah so he's a 15 year old i seen the other day by chance i seen the other day, he actually scored for the team and he's only 15 uh so that's amazing <laughs> that proves that he's got some sort of talent and he's he's got a lot of potential um tell me a bit about that player if it, or another player that you guys you personally excited about yeah well i can talk about Hendrik because it's a it's a interesting story because the when we started building the the idea of rough diamonds we started talking to the agents that were closer to us and the very first agent that i spoke to this was probably november last year and, and he told me about Hendrik, and i had never heard of Hendrik, to be completely honest and i checked him on instagram he had like thirty thousand followers verified status looked like a very good player, but I had never heard of him, you know? And then in January in Brazil, there is this, lar the largest uh, Latin America youth tournament happens in between January and February. It's called Copinha, Copa São Paulo. Mm -hmm. And because of the pandemic, it didn't happen last year. So this year it was an under 21 tournament. It's usually under 19. So this year was an under 21. And Hendrik is 15 years old. And I was like, I don't think he's even playing, you know, like he's 15 playing against under 21. But I was like, I'll check it out. And there's always a joke in Brazil with Palmeiras, with the, the team that he's, he plays for, that they had never won this tournament. So the, the other teams, they made fun of them by singing songs out loud in the stadium that they never won Copinha. Yeah. And, uh, and that was like super interesting. And 
And I started watching the tournament and he's, he's right there. He's the number nine of the team. And I was like, isn't it under 21, this tournament? And they were like, yeah, but he's still playing. So that was very shocking for everyone that he was playing, you know, that he was starting for Palmeiras, which is a big jersey in Brazil. And not only he was playing, but the very first few matches, he was starting to score like amazing goals, like bicycles from outside of the box. And everyone is like, what is this? Like, what is going on? Who is this guy? So everyone started to look into this kid who had at that moment 30,000 followers. No one knew him in Brazil. I mean, people knew, people that actually follow youth football in the country, they actually uh, got a feeling that he could be good, but not that good, you know. And, and then he started playing. And then he was the top scorer. Just to summarize the story, he was the top scorer of the league, of the tournament. They were champions. And he was elected the best player. And he won the best goal. There was nothing left for him to win at the tournament at age of 15, beating it, beating players. And this makes a lot of difference. Like who's involved in soccer, in football, they know that like when you, especially when you are, when you are 31 and you play against someone 34, it doesn't really make a difference, you know? Uh, but when you are 15 and you play against someone 21, it makes a huge difference. So that was the big moment that he had. And he went from 30,000 followers to over a million followers in a couple of months. And, and everyone started talking about him. Real Madrid started looking into him. Barcelona started looking into him. And he doesn't even, he didn't even sign his professional contract yet. He will sign it next month when he actually turned 16. So right now there is a very big expectation right after that tournament uh, Brazil went to play against uh, uh, the Montaigu tournament in France that we hadn't won in over 24 years. And again, champion, best player, top scorer. So every single... I, I saw someone on Twitter the other day. They were like... Because they, they won another tournament last week. They won the, the Brazilian Cup under 17 now. Mm -hmm. and, and he only played the under 17 because he was already training with the under 20 because the under 20 didn't have any tournament. So he asked to play the, the youth 17 tournament and they won. He was a top scorer, best player. And I saw a guy on Twitter saying, hey, I think we should, I think we should take this guy to the World Cup. Because, and I was like, he's 15 years old. And the guy's like, I know, but everything else he played, he won. He was the best player and he was the top scorer. Mm. So there's a very big expectation right now on top of him. He's the number nine uh, that Brazil currently misses a true good number nine, like Ronaldo Adriano style. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have very good wingers. We have very good midfielders. Yeah. I think we struggle a little bit defining that center man uh, uh, up forward which was my position in, in college. I say that I'm a lost generation. I could be there helping them, but unfortunately I, I decided to dive, deep, deep dive into NFTs and Web3. Uh, but I think it's, um, it, it could potentially be the next big star of Brazil. But not only him, we have Mateus França, who is uh, playing for Flamengo, already has an interest from, from Real Madrid, 18 years old, unfortunately broke his leg um, a few a few months ago, but is already playing, getting back into shape, and should be joining the, the professionals again. We have Luis Guilherme Lira, who was also part of uh, uh, of Andrew. We have João Cruz from Atlético Paranaense. We have a we have a very good, um, really the very best uh, in the country. All the players, Bruno. All the players are part of the Brazil national team. 
either under 18, under 17 or under 15, yeah. all these kids, like we did a whole like scouting uh, process with Bruno's contact from Brazil to get a very specific list of the players with the most potential, like under 18. So we yeah. did a very thorough job in terms of like, who are these players and really like filtering them to see like who should be part of this project. Of course, Indrik like stands out because everything that Bruno said, but I wouldn't discard the other players coming up right there. They're like incredible talent. Uh, they might not have the media awareness at this moment, but in terms of talent and potential, when you see some of these kids, you're going to be like, wow, nobody's talking about this kid. Uh, it's just because they're really, really young, but all of them have the potential and are part of the Brazil national team. Already. And there are so many stories as well. You look at Kaká's story. Kaká became the biggest player in the world and was an amazing player for Milan. For, especially for AC Milan, yeah. and when he was at the youth level, he, like he wasn't really playing. He he never made. If I'm not mistaken, I don't think he ever made it to the youth national team. And you have these other kids that were on top, at like very high youth level, mm -hmm. that didn't really make it. And you have the players like Neymar, who everyone knew that this kid was gonna be special, and he actually became. You know, mm -hmm. and he is special. So you have all certain, you have all kinds of stories around. And I think that's what's fun, you know, because I've been receiving from the last month that we started speaking about the project and bringing people in. I have been receiving every single day some news about one of the 11 players, you know, from investors, from friends, from parents, from their own parents. I have been receiving that. And you see that people are getting engaged, you know, and I, and I think that's the feeling that we want to create. We want people to actually, we want that feeling that when you're playing a fantasy game, and even if you put a, a player that doesn't, that, that doesn't play for your team or even plays against your team, but you kind of support that guy's course. You, you hope your team wins. Yeah. But you kind of hope that guy scores so you can get some points in the fantasy league, you know? And we have been seeing that some Corinthian supporter, they're looking at that and they're like, okay, but Andrik, Andrik is special. You know, you see some Vasco supporter, but like, but they know that Mateus France and Felipe Lima, that Mateus Gonçalves, they are, they are at that level as well, you know? So uh, I'm really happy with the, with, the, with the feeling that we're getting from the fans. That is still initial, but th that's exactly where we want to be. So I want to ask, based on what you're saying there, based on the performance, obviously up and down, injuries, that can happen. Are you guys introducing dynamic NFTs into the mix in regards to things changing? If you've got an NFT, things can change depending on what the player's performance is like, depending on maybe if they win a cup or they win certain medals or player of the year. Like, is there anything that can be added? Is that something you're thinking about or is it going to be added on down the line? Yeah, we're definitely adding like dynamic elements, I would say. We're not using the chain links and oracles or protocols okay. like that specifically around dynamic NFTs. Okay. Uh, our CTO, uh, Ariel Alexandre, is, he is, is a monster in, in Web3 technology and comes from the Web2 world. He's been around for a minute in, in terms of like entrepreneurship and technology products. He has his own proprietary Web3 products. So he's building everything from a dynamic perspective that like it's going to um, evolve as the players um, achieve milestones or big moments in their careers, but we're not using, uh, I, I hate to say traditional, but we're not using the usual oracles that people are used to when it comes to dynamic NFTs, but we're using dynamic elements, uh, leveraging Ariel's products that he's, he has built in the past. Okay, so you're not, not allowed to speak about how you'll be using that or... No, <laughs> being really honest, I, I, I'm just not the technology guy and I'll hate okay. to, to murder what Ariel has built. Um, but uh, I wouldn't speak with the, with the accuracy and, you know, property that, that he would. But um, he's our CTO and, and 
I'll, I'll love for him to, to meet you at one point. But yeah, we're definitely adding uh, dynamic elements. It just makes sense from a career perspective, right? Especially when you start early on and as you evolve to have these kind of elements uh, added to the project. Okay, all right, cool. So obviously all the excitement around the players, players performing, so much people, so much potential of the project. When is it dropping? When's, when's it dropping? What chain? How can we get these um, NFTs and support these players? Well, date-wise, um, we're actually currently doing the the jersey drop, wow. uh, so, so the, for the very early uh, users in our in our community, we're bringing them in and we're doing the jerseys distribution. We're having a number of partnerships as well, bringing them in, and um, and and we believe that in a couple months, it's going to be pre pre World Cup, the the drop of the players. So I mean that that's that's gonna be for sure. We don't want to set a date on stone, but we are we want to we want to drop whenever the, we feel that community is ready for it. That we have enough people that actually um, bought into the project, to the concept, that we have the right people in. And um, as soon as we feel that, and we feel like the people are, are ready for it, we we will drop it and uh, I mean uh, have a lot of fun along the way. Okay, what yeah. Watching. Yeah, I was about to say, if you're in mainnet, we, we just thought it, it made sense for the type of project that we're building. Not a lot of tokens was just more specific to, to Ethereum. Um, we're going to do the minting on our um, website and our, on our landing page. going to be a lazy minting and we're partnering with uh, Rarible and OpenSea as well for secondary sales. Right. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. So that, so you, why, why not a layer two? Because that seems to be a thing or are you waiting on the, the hard fought with the Ethereum could prove a stake. Like, why why do you pick Ethereum over any other proof of stake protocols? It was just mainly a decision around what made sense for the project. If we had a lot of volume, if gas fees were uh, a big issue, we we were either go with like Polygon, Solana. We even were considering Immutable X for for the actual jerseys. But yeah. because of the volume of tokens that we have and just the security around like Ethereum, we thought it made sense for the type of project that we're releasing. And you're doing a staggered drop then. So the 101 NFTs for the player, as soon as the NFTs, it's available. To, are you doing like 101 dropping in that, that one time and available to get? Or is it going to be 101 over the year? It's going to be uh, throughout batches. Uh, it's going to be a short window that we're going to do it. We haven't decided if it's going to be throughout a week or two weeks, uh, but we are definitely not going to release all of them um, for, for minting from the get-go. And we're gonna randomize them, as, as you can tell. Like some of the players has more uh, have more media awareness than others, and we would hate if everyone just goes to one player just because that's the only one they heard about it, and they could miss on another player that you know we know that has the potential. So we're gonna randomize uh, all the ra different rarity traits and different uh, frames and the different players and different utility attached to them. As you can tell, we have like very special utility when it comes to memorabilia access culture and things of partnerships, as Bruno said. Um, so the perks attached to them as well are going to be different. So we're just going to randomize and, and um, you know, see like where people um, feel the most comfortable with in secondary sales by acquiring different players. So we think the magic is going to be um, seeing what are the behaviors and where they, you know, they're going for after we do the primary sale that is going to be randomized. 
Yeah, and the randomized idea also not only that, but it comes from the well, it comes from the stickers. They come from the albums that you go to the yeah. to the shop and you don't ask for. Oh, I want Neymar. I want the Brazilian uh, shiny sticker to to complete my album. You you get you get a pack, you know, and then you open and you have to actually collect and then you have to stick and then you have to change with friends. So I, I feel like we're trying to replicate that uh, that idea into into the digital space as well. And, and also allow every player to, to have an opportunity. So I think that's that's the, the the idea behind it. Yeah, I love that, man. I look forward to it. Um, I love to get one myself <laughs> to, and support one of these players. I'm going to have to look and do a little research and follow their stories and see who I want to invest in and be, able, and be a part of somebody's journey. But um, just to round it off, guys, obviously, just a question I like always love to ask guests uh, to tap into their minds. Maybe we can aim it, just, just to target around sport. I'll ask you individually. I'll start with Bruno. I want you to describe to me how you see, see things in the next, say, 10 years. You wake up in the morning. How is NFTs being used within the world and the world of, in, in, within, especially around the world of like sports and, and whatnot? How are you using NFTs? How's, how people, how's it been applied? What are people doing? I think in 10 years, we're going to be able to expand it into, into other territories, into other countries. And um, the, the, the early community that has been betting on these players or, or getting on board of this, of this player's journey, they will be actually getting some benefits out of that because you're, you're, you're looking into a player who is 16, but in, in, who is 15 in 10 years, he's going to be 25, probably at the peak of his career playing Champions League, playing FIFA World Cup, playing the biggest tournaments out there. So I feel like the people that are coming in early, they're going to be, they're going to be benefiting from all of that experience, from this community that we're going to be creating. And new players are going to be born. And, uh, and the process continues. You know, I feel like it's an ongoing process of finding the players and generating exclusive ex experience for those people, you know. And um, the more we can do that, the more I feel like we can grow. And, and, and I, think, I think the education process, not only about crypto, not only about, uh, but also about the power of communities, no? Mm -hmm. uh, when, when you look at the web too, how, how did Facebook start? They started with a community of people at, Stanford, at uh, Harvard that, were, that had the specific email that they were finding each other. And then from there, they went to another school, they went to another school. I feel like that's exactly what we're trying to do here in web three in sports, showing the players and the fans, the power of communities, what we can achieve with that and and i think we're going to be creating a lot of exclusive experiences allowing this uh, these people that, that are coming in early uh to have i mean amazing time with the player amazing time with uh, with other fans as well from from that and and potentially in other sports in other why not think about other segments even why not look at the uh at music at art uh, people that are actually trying to get their work out there so I, I, I see a lot of potential for, for expansion. We have been talking about the, the content creation behind all of this. How can, we, how can we tell the story to more and more people? And how, how can we do it in a Web3 style? How can we have the token holders own the rights of this TV show or this, uh, um, this rights that we're going to create? We don't want to be, it's not a traditional company. It's a company where everyone owns everything uh, that is around the project. So um, I see a lot of opportunities. I see the, the, the infrastructure being uh, much easier to onboard people that are not traditionally uh, accustomed to, to purchasing Ethereum, to purchasing Polygon. So um, I, I think the future is bright and we're definitely um, looking forward to that.
know that. And Andre, just to round it off, I want you to give a perspective of how you see the next 10 years within sport and NFTs. So um, rather than just you got you guys just looking as a whole, how is NFTs going to disrupt the industry? Absolutely. I think this is a prime opportunity for clubs in two different perspectives. The first one being it's a new revenue generator, right? It's a new way to monetize and engage with fans. And I think that's going to keep increasing. Clubs need to be very uh, smart of how they approach this. We saw what happened to Liverpool. We saw what happened to other teams and player-specific projects. You need to be really careful first about your reputation and your heritage in terms of like a brand as a club, right? So you need to be smart of how you show up in the space. Uh, And long-term, I think for sports in general, it's a perfect IP builder. Bruno and I talk often about this specifically for Rough Diamonds and all the things he just described. But I think NFTs and Web3, they are really um, the prime technology infrastructure to build IP because you can bring people along the journey with you and they can have potential upside on the different things that you're going to do. So in terms of sports, it's one of the biggest passion points in humanity, right? Like it's part of who you are. It's like somewhat of a religion to some people. So how can you bring these people closer, leveraging NFTs and these people being your community? They already exist. They're already passionate. So in 10 years, I really think, as I said in the beginning, I think that's a pretty good full circle for the conversation. Uh, Everything will be able to be tokenized. Not everything should. And the winners are going to be the ones that can figure out that intersection in terms of fan engagement, monetization, and community. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Well, thank you guys, Andre, Bruno. Thank you for coming on and sharing your project with us and the the potential. I'm excited for you guys are doing and contributing to the space. Uh, Just around, where can people find you? Obviously, we want people to come and support and buy the NFTs. Uh, where where's the best place to find you guys? I think the easiest way is to is through our website. So it's roughdiamonds.io. Yeah. And uh, there you're gonna find the link to our Discord community. You're gonna find the link to to the early access community as well. And yeah. you can find us on Twitter, on Instagram with eleven rough diamonds. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, join us. What regards to partnerships? Anyone want to contact you? The they were per- perfect collaboration or partners with you guys. Where can I reach you guys to? Also, is it same place or personal? We have, a, we have a special channel on, uh, on Discord for partnerships. They can reach out to us on LinkedIn as well or, or Twitter. Or I mean, we are, we, we are out there. <laughs> yeah, too. <laughs> I love that. But guys, thanks again for coming on and sharing the gems. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. And I hope everyone stays listening and stays blessed.